This is Small Business Conversations on PBN, brought to you by Profits Plus Solutions. Increasing your profits, plus building your business for the future. We are Profits Plus. You can find us at ProfitsPlus.org. This is Small Business Conversations on PBN, the Profitable Business Network. Now, the host of Small Business Conversations, principal of Profits Plus Solutions, here is Tom Shea. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the program. This is Small Business Conversations, a program that we have been doing once a month, every month, for, gee, 12, 13, 14 years, something like that. It's a monthly free program that we put out from Profits Plus, intended to introduce you to some fascinating people, perhaps folks that you might not find otherwise, but people who have great information to help us within our businesses. Tonight is no exception. So let me go through all the necessary stuff before we get into a little bit of music and introduce our guest. Uh, Tonight's Small Business Conversations is being recorded, as we always do. They will be on the Profits Plus, they meaning the recording of tonight's program, will be on the website in two formats. It will be there as an MP3 file for those who would like to download it for their personal listening devices. And it will be there as a click and listen link on the ProfitsPlus.org website. Uh, All that magic will happen perhaps much later tonight as our information stud, Bruce Giroux, does all the necessary little fancy stuff to make things happen. Small Business Conversations is also available on these podcast services. All you have to do is sign up for an account with each of them that you want that are your favorite listening places and tell it that you want to get the notice when Small Business Conversations with Tom Shea comes out. So podcast services that have us right now uh, include Amazon Music, Anchor, Apple Podcast, Breaker, CastBox, Castro, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Listen Notes, Overcast, Pandora, Pocket Cast, Podbean, Radio Public, Spotify, Stitcher, Verbal, along with all the many different ways that Apple and Android devices can deliver to you in your home, in your car, or all the little smart Google and Amazon um, listening devices. All you have to do is say, you know, name of the gadget. I can't say it because there's one sitting close to me here. You say its name and you say, play Small Business Conversations with Tom Shea, and they will find for you the last one. On your computer, when you go to them, you will take and get uh, the listing of all of them out there. Okay, so that being said, a uh, quick blurb. A piece of music that I find that I think relates to uh, our guest. Listen into this one from Gloria... <laughs> The song's called I Will Survive. Well, you know, I wasn't real thrilled with the title initially because this person doesn't survive. This person thrives. She is always coming up with things. She is so creative uh, in all that she does. So some seven years and four months ago, 
I had got an email from her saying, this is what I do, here's who, where I am, and I want to ask you about writing for my publication. So at this point, I am working with her for my eighth year of writing columns for her really neat magazine. Um, she's a retailer. She has a store, an uh, individual store. She, uh, her store is called Hen and Chicks. We'll ask her to explain that at some point here. She is in Conrad, Iowa. And uh, not only does she run a store, she is editor and publisher of a magazine, but she does a lot for her industry. We will see her at trade shows and within her industry. And then she creates through her magazine uh, what she calls a series of academies and educational events where she goes out and finds people with various aspects of expertise, and they put together a a long, uh, a day-long school of education for for people. Pretty full day for a person's work, I would say, and still manages to get it all done. Our guest tonight is Heidi Kaisan. Heidi, you there with me, aren't you? I am. And thank you, Tom. What a nice uh, introduction. And I love the song choice. It was. I often say, I will survive. Sometimes it is something that you have to survive just for the next five minutes, um, you know, when we're busy working. But I love that song. Great choice. And then as we were speaking earlier today, you have to survive a few more hours and tonight because tomorrow you're leaving on vacation. You know, yes, I am leaving on vacation. And, you know, my staff knows they're going to hear from me. They know that they're going to have to call me. It's just sometimes it's difficult to completely, I'll say, uh, unconnect and not have any communication with them. And, of course, I'm genuinely interested in how my businesses are doing, so I, I want to um, keep tabs on them. But absolutely will be, I'll say, disconnecting as much as possible in the next week, which is a really good feeling. And that's very understandable because when you own a small business, it's not like you are working somewhere and taking a week off. It's kind of like you're disconnecting from yourself. Your businesses and all of the businesses that you have are a part of you. Yes, and, and sometimes that getting out of your normal routine, getting out of your normal location I can, you know, be sitting on the Minnesota beach we go to with a cold beverage in my hand and that light bulb goes off in my head that is like a moment of clarity for something that I could not figure out when I'm in the, you know, on the treadmill in the, you know, the loop at the store or in my publishing business. And, and sometimes it's just, again, getting away or talking about something else that really allows me to then um, come up with new, uh, new ideas and different things. So it's it a win-win. Isn't it amazing that there are unusual places and times when people come up with ideas for their businesses? Uh, I'm one of the proverbial at times, get up in the morning and it could be a shower and the thinking goes on, and uh, did I forget to put a pen and paper somewhere nearby so I can begin to write it down? Because sure enough, I'll walk into another room, and I will forget just exactly what it was that uh, I had thought of. Uh, 
I have a what's that expression? I have a mind like a steel door, and it's sometimes slammed shut. Yes, and even today, I had that moment where I started to go do something at the store. I went out into the store. Somebody asked me a question. I took care of 10 other things and then thought to myself, what had I come out here for? And I had to go all the way back to my desk, sit down, and look at my, you know, everything that was laying in front of me. And luckily, the piece of paper that triggered me getting up was still sitting there, and I was able to then get back up and go do it. But, oh, my gosh, there's, there's always so much information. So uh, a brief summary. Uh, Heidi's business deals with quilting. So like many of us, we, there was a reason in, as to how we got into the business. So a quick story of how, how is it that quilting piqued your interest? I am very lucky to have had a grandmother that taught me to quilt and do all sorts of other crafts when I was a young girl. By the time I was nine, I got into 4-H, spent 10 years doing all types of projects, photography, you know, finishing furniture, cooking, speaking, quilting, all those things. The long story short is that I went to school to develop recipes for cookbooks and landed uh, an amazing job at Better Homes and Gardens in their cookbook division right out of college. Again, long story short, they went through many changes in the early 90s in that department. And one day I was offered the opportunity to sell start helping with their craft titles because when they said, does anybody here do cross-stitch? I said, yes. And that led to ending up being at Meredith Corporation for 17 plus years and most of those years developing recipes for quilts. My job was to instead of having ingredients that might be flour and sugar, I was able to use my I'll say how-to skills and my writing skills to develop patterns um, for consumers to make and absolutely found what my passion was and know that I'm, I'm in the industry I'm supposed to be. So. Okay. Now, when you say you have found your passion within the world of small business, that can mean lots of different things as to what it is about being in, in business is the person's passion. What aspect of the business is it that's your passion? I actually can say that all there's every part of the business gets me excited ab about, about it in some way. You know, when you start make, messing with numbers and trying to understand the financials, I can get very passionate about that. I can get very passionate about the social marketing. And I, I had a great conversation today with one of our high school students, and she probably is like, whoa, she's on, you know, on full mode. But I was so passionate about understanding what social media is really about. I love and enjoy in so many ways 
the, the end of the day result of helping people be creative and being able to express their creativity through quilting or scrapbooking. I, I just find joy in that. And so there's, there's just so many different parts. And in the publishing world and in my role as publisher of American Quilt Retailer, I can become very passionate about helping other small businesses succeed. We all need help. We all need support. We've all got questions. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. So I can become very passionate and excited about those types of relationships and opportunities to help others. So now, in just the few minutes of information that you have given, uh, I could easily see someone listening to tonight's program, listening to the podcast somewhere later on, and say, hmm, she's in Iowa. Just how many hours in a day do they have in Iowa? Because I've only got 24, and I have to sleep, and I have family responsibilities. Just how long is a day in Iowa anyway? Well, Tom, we have the same 24 hours that everybody else does. And I think that as a business owner, as an individual, I have really focused on what I want to spend my time on and I go back often to the book Essentialism uh, by Greg McCown. I don't know if you've read that book. but I'm writing it down. It's a great book, and his second book, Effortless, uh, is, is a great follow-up. Not everything in our world is essential. So I do make choices. And if my choice is something that doesn't have to be done, it's not essential to whatever it is I'm doing, then I, I, unfor- you know, I say no. And sometimes that means, for example, I support my children 100%. And if you try to call me very often during certain seasons, uh, you know, the joke is, what volleyball court are you on? What you know, track event are you at? I will choose those any day, but when the sports booster program asks me to be a volunteer on their committee and discuss for hours, maybe <laughs> I've been to a couple meetings just to see, you know, things that I don't feel are essential in what my goals are, I will say no. I don't have to be on every school committee. I don't have to. That doesn't mean I don't support my kids or the school. I support them 100%. I just do it in different ways than, say, be on that committee because, you know, somebody thinks I should be on that committee. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, what book are you reading right now? Uh, the uh, just I just started actually a book by Marie Shriver, and I don't have, let me see, i got to see if I can find the title for you. Uh, I can tell you a couple different ones. Let me pull up my list because I am an audible listener and really okay. enjoy being able to listen, but there are also times when I want to be able to uh, read a book and have it in front of me. So Maria Shriver is the book I'm reading right now is I've Been Thinking. 
Reflections, Prayers, and Meditations for a Meaningful Life. It's a great uh, book. I also read, I just finished a novel uh, by, it's called Vacation Land by Sarah, and I probably won't say her last name wrong, Stondon. And then Effortless by Greg McCown was the one before that. Okay. All righty. Uh, you know, I point out to people the idea of someone reading. Uh, there's a quote that I have uh, used in many places, and, they, and that is, the average small business owner does not read books. Perhaps that is why they are average. Mm-hmm. I'm constantly reading, and sometimes I'm reading more than one. When we read a book, it forces the mind to open. As compared to the media, it's not argumentative. It doesn't as much have a hidden agenda of what we want you to think a certain way or want you to buy a certain thing. Uh, it's not short-term thinking. It's generally a longer-term process simply because it took the author a long time to put the book to, together, and it's there for the reader to take and dissect and decide for themselves you know, how and where can I implement this, this information? What does it do to relate to, to my life? So how did, and her store has an unusual name, Hen and Chick Studio. Okay, so I'll ask that question. I, I've never had before. Where'd that come from, Heidi? The hen is me. The chicks are my kids. And I, we, have, I, we have three children. Uh, son, who's 17, going to be a senior in high school, and Goldie and Virginia are twins, twin girls, uh, identical twin girls, and they are going to be freshmen in high school. They're 14. And I have always had the feeling that I'm a mother hen and that I need to help take care of other people. So years ago, I started a pattern company of my own of quilt designs that I wanted to, to create and I decided that it would be called Hen and Chick Studio because it was going to be all about I'll say my family because that is definitely on the top of the priority list around here. So that's how okay. I came up with it and some people interpret that that I'm the mother hen and the chicks are my customers. Uh, it could be taken a lot of different ways, but it is technically me and the kids. Now, did you start this store from the ground up, or was it a store that you bought from somebody? I technically started from the ground up, although there was a business in the building that I bought the building from, and it had been a quilt shop of sorts and quilt and gift shop, but I did not feel that the name of the business nor the content content of the business was valuable enough to bring forward. There was more of a reputation that I that I didn't want. So I 
at that point, I'll say started from scratch. Okay. Let the old one die and start it all over. Yes. And how many years have you had it? It'll be 10 years in October. Okay. And then, at, let's see, the 10 years. All right, so I've written for you since 2014. When was it that you came into the magazine? So when, when you started writing for me, I technically was not the owner of American Quilt Retailer. So I, was, I came on staff at, and took over the editorial content of American Quilt Retailer in May of 2014. It was not until October of, two, of 2015, so a full year and a half, not quite a half, but a year and a half later, is when I purchased and, and assumed all responsibilities for American Quilt Retailer. And from my conversations with you over the years, uh, the business has grown, and that's what I'm going to ask you about next. Uh, we have passed the first point in time in the evening where it's time to take a quick station break. We'll come right okay. back with a bit more with Heidi. This is PBN, the Profitable Business Network from Profits Plus. So this is your host tonight, Tom Shea, from Profits Plus Solutions. You can find us at Profits Plus, and we spell it P-R-O-F-I-T-S-P-L-U-S, Dot org, and we are specialists in small business education. And tonight we're speaking with an expert. Her name is Heidi Kaisan. Heidi owns a store in Conrad, Iowa. It's called Hen and Chicks. It is a quilting and scrapbooking store. And then Heidi, uh, the point that we're just now crossing the line to ask how she does it or why she did it, uh, is that she started a second job after having the store. So she's owned the store for 10 years now. She took on a task of being a part of a magazine in her industry. And a year after doing that, she took over ownership of the magazine. Um, how'd you split your time, Heidi? Back then, Hen and Chick Studio was small enough that... I did work with a business coach. We talked a lot about, you know, how you divide your time, uh, you know, where the profits are, where, you know, where the growth is, all of that. I mean, there's lots of conversations about getting the staff that I needed on both businesses in order to make the whole process work. You know, one of my big goals in running these businesses and, and being a small business owner was because, I've already said this, I'm going to all the volleyball meets, all the track meets, all the, you know, fan concerts, putting my family first and being able to have the flexibility and the, just the, I guess, yeah, flexibility to be able to do all of that. So I constantly was working, and at one point we came up with, a calculation based on my two businesses that at that moment I should probably be spending 30% at Hen and Chick Studio and 75% at American Quilt Retailer. That there was more opportunity for growth at that moment uh, in 
in AQR, Hen and Chick Studio was moving along, you know, but I, I maybe wasn't seeing the traction yet. I was young enough as a store. So, uh, you know, AQR really became a, I'm going to say a vehicle for me to increase my income while I continued to, to build Hen and Chick Studio up. And yet in these years that you have been a part of the magazine and then owned the magazine, you've built up the magazine. And as someone who has been writing for trade magazines since the 1980s, what I see has been continually the exact opposite, shrinking, going to become only an online publication that is more like a giant infomercial for people, and a lot of magazines die. And I haven't, I haven't stopped to count, but I think it would be an interesting number to, to know. Of all the magazines I have written for, how many of them still exist? Mm-hmm. And, and I would agree but that... But you, on the other hand, you are different. What are you doing? Well, I wish I could you know, say that I know it's a magical answer, but I really try to listen to our readership, our subscribers, other retailers. I am a retailer, so in many ways, the platform that I'm talking from, I'm speaking directly to our subscribers. They are running small businesses as well. Maybe, let's say the majority of our subscribers are retailers, but we have pattern designers. We have industry specialists that also are partaking in our, in our business because at, at the core of what we do, every article in the magazine has um, valid information for any small business owner. You could insert, uh, you know, you could insert a motorcycle owner or, or you know, we could be selling whatever widget you're selling. Grocery At the store. end of the day, yeah, we're, we're still, we're all trying to sell something or, you know, again, it could even be a service. And one of the things that I think makes me different is, number one, that I'm a retailer. But I, I love to bring in people, find the experts. I will never say that I am the expert in all of these areas that are important in running a business because that's, that's not my expertise. My expertise is finding people like Tom Shea and, and lots of other people who they are, they are developing expertise in a specific area. And if I can bring them together, curate that information and hand it to a small business owner who's struggling or, you know, or simply don't have the time or they don't have the staff, but they want to grow. They want to change their business. And if what we put in the pages of our magazine helps them, then I'm doing my job. And I, I think I'm finding that right mix. At the moment, the quilt world is, you know, we're tactile. We're tactile people. And my my major subscribers are at an age where they still like holding on to a publication. So I work with a fourth generation family printer that can help me 
maneuver the, the cost of paper and postage, and we're making it work. What about your online presence for your publication? How did you transcend to that? Like everybody else, lots of, lots of different ways. I, we have a regular blog. We're, con, it, we're, we're putting out consistent social media, so consistent blog posts. We're putting out consistent Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, you know, using, using different ways to do that. Uh, we have, you know, Facebook groups where people can communicate. But in the last year, our big growth has come from our online academy. When it was becoming apparent that we could not socialize like we used to and that the venues that we would go to, like trade shows, we're being canceled, changed, move online. This is where communication is key. And not feeling like you're alone or in a vacuum or that you don't have anyone else to bounce ideas off in a small business, I think is important for the success of that business. So I created a format where Unlike what I was seeing in other, other business events, I went, attended several webinars where somebody talked and you listened, and yes, you may have an opportunity to enter something, a question somewhere that funneled into somebody that might get answered. And to me, it wasn't enough. So. I trusted that our subscribers and our participants would have good manners, and we went with what I referred to as the Brady Bunch method of a Zoom call, that we could see everybody's faces. Nobody was, everybody was, of course, we asked them to mute. We didn't, we didn't automatically mute them. We tried to train them when they should turn their video off, when they should turn their audio off. Sometimes we had to politely ask. But I wanted the presenters to see those people and see those faces, see that engagement, and I wanted the participants to be able to raise their hand and say, I've got a question, and we connect them right then, right there, live, you know, interactive. And that has been very exciting, very exciting for me uh, that we've been doing that format basically since last October. Okay. So bottom of the hour, everyone. Let me tell you who our guest is. Her name is Heidi Kaisan. Uh, Wonder Woman here is a retailer, magazine editor, magazine publisher, and we've just started talking about uh, an academy that she has created for people uh, within her industry. So at the bottom of the hour, since we've had her talking so much, we give her about 90 seconds to catch her breath and maybe grab a quick glass of water uh, as we play a little uh, interlude of music for everybody right here. It's from... Uh, well, I grew up in one of them old farm towns where they hit it hard till the sun goes down. Nobody really seemed to care that we were living in the middle of nowhere. We just figured that's how it was. Everybody else was just like us, soaking 
Soaking in the rain, baking in the sun Don't quit till the job gets done That's the only way I know Don't stop till everything's gone Straight ahead and never turn around Don't back up, don't back down A full throttle, wide open You get tired and you don't show it Dig a little deeper when you think you can't dig no The first thing you learn is you don't get nothing that you don't earn Humble pride I grew up on You find out just how bad you want it The sun in our eyes and backs to the fences We didn't know the odds were against us Hit the wall, smoking and spinning Still wasn't thinking about nothing but winning That's the only way I know Don't stop till everything's gone Straight ahead and never turn around Okay, so Heidi, how's that song? Appropriate there? Yes, absolutely. You've got good choices. Well, I tried to hit on the hit it right for you. So let's let's stop a moment. Let's go back and look at your business. Make sure everybody can relate to you. You're in a town that is small enough to the point I can think of when I lived in Florida of buildings that probably had as much of a population as your town had, and that would be one building had that much. But you are part of a larger market of, if I'm looking right, probably about 100,000 people in the in the metro area? No, um, so in Conrad, in Conrad there's 1,100 people. The next if everybody closest, comes home. If everybody comes home. And our main street is a block and a half long. I can tell you about the community if you want because it's a very interesting, very, very progressive community. I love it. The closest town to us that's a little bigger is Marshalltown. It's about 15 miles. I believe they're 15,000 to 20,000. I don't even know what they're, you know what I mean, but they're bigger. If I want to go to Des Moines, which is our state capital, uh, the greater Des Moines area would be 350,000. That's an hour and 10 minutes from me. Lots of cornfields in between. So I sit, I sit four hours south of Minneapolis, five hours west of Chicago, three hours east of Omaha, four and a half hours north of Kansas City, literally in the middle of Iowa, rural Iowa. So for looking at your mainstay of your customer base, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to make a bold guess in saying a town of 1,100 people is not enough 1,100 people to support your store by itself. You've not at all walk in trade. You've got to pull people. How far away do you pull from? We have some regular customers out of Alaska. Um, so you know, drive and when in we start, from Alaska? No, no, they're online. They're online. Oh. But the the drive-in customers. I actually just did a survey. And I would say the largest percentage of our customers 
come from between 75 miles and 100 miles. We, we have a retreat center where women can stay for as many days, nights as they want. So we, I would say that our average, a two to three hour window drive is not unusual to come to where our Where are they store. staying? You say you have a retreat center. Where are they staying? In the retreat at center, night. we have 14, you bet, 14 twin beds. That's at one end, of the, one end of the building. And at the other end of the building are the tables that they work on. I slept there last night because we were having a retreat. And uh, you, it's like an open dormitory style place. We've got some dividers and things to help break up the space. But it is literally on the second floor of my building that's 135 years old that we've turned into a fully equipped retreat center so that, again, obviously, we've, we have had some men come, but that's a whole different story, but typically it's women and that are staying because, of course, it's open, you know, open dormitory style. Okay, so how often do you have these retreats? The building is available, of course, uh, 365 days a year. And I need to do some new calculations uh, so that I can answer some of these questions a little quicker for you. But we have, over the 10 years, have grown to the point, of course, weekends, a three-day weekend retreat, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, go first. So uh, in the 52 weeks of the year, I can tell you that it's rare for us to ever book a holiday weekend, so 4th of July, Christmas, Easter, you know what I mean? Those kinds of weekends are pretty rare um, to book. But otherwise, I would say that 100% of the rest of those weekends are booked, uh, maybe, maybe not in December. That maybe would be the one unusual. But we are training our customers to think differently and realizing that the retreat center is open all seven days, so we are now uh, booking more and more weekday retreats. So there are several times, and we actually uh, we actually are in a I'll say a spot right now where we have about three weeks that we literally have uh, we have to turn it over uh, either from night to morning or like tomorrow we have a 24-hour break and then the next group comes in Saturday and Sunday. We have a 24-hour break. The next group comes in Tuesday through Thursday. Then we do have, uh, I think, a four-day break before somebody comes in Monday and Tuesday. So what I'm learning from you in our time tonight that I want to share with people is, one, I'm hearing that you do a lot of studying, because you made a comment about being able to answer my questions and know statistically the information. So I'm hearing that you are in a constant mode of analysis of your business. Yes, absolutely. You have to be. You have to constantly be looking at what parts are growing. And I am a firm believer that I need multiple income streams. So somebody might go, oh my gosh, she does this, this, and this. She's crazy. But no, I'm trying to balance out and even out all of the income. So when, when retail sales 
in December, nobody, and I shouldn't say nobody, but I sell less fabric because at that point in the game, they're trying to finish their projects, right? They're not trying to start new projects. Yes. They're trying to finish their projects. So what's important is that I have a long-arm rental business. That's a second source of income because guess what? Okay, now stop, stop with that one and let's explain. Let's, yes. let's stop and explain what's long-arm. A long-arm quilting machine is a literally, I'm going to refer to it as a giant sewing machine on a giant table. And there's, I, I worked for one of the companies for seven years, and it is a machine that helps you stitch your layers of a quilt together. So it used to be that Grandma hand-quilted those layers together. Then we started using our domestic sewing machine, trying to sew those layers together or maybe tie a quilt. Well, now they have and have had for years these long-arm machines that make the process easier to be creative and easier to finish your project. But the machine I have, if somebody bought it, it would cost $25,000, and it would take up literally in some people's homes their living room. So it is a service that I offer that they can take a certification class and learn how to use the machine. I charge them a little heftier for that because I want basically an insurance policy that they're going to treat my machine well. And then they get now, are charged. Are they taking this a, machine home? Oh no, 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 no! It sits okay. at my store. It doesn't move. It stays yep. in your. Okay. Yeah, this is a big. It's a ten foot long table, so the footprint on it is about four and a half by ten foot. And then you walk, basically you stand on the outside of that footprint. So it takes a fairly good space. Um, and then the cost of like a, a brand new machine like that with all the bells and whistles that I have on it would be about $25,000. And for $135, they can take our long-arm certification class and learn how to use it. And for $25 an hour, they can come back and rent it. You can do the math on that. They can do a lot of quilts and still not even come close to spending the money that it would take to actually buy one. So what I'm hearing from you, and I'm thinking of experiences I have, um, there's a couple organizations that I work with in the sewing machine industry. And I asked this question of the audience one day, and I've asked the same question when I have spoken to people who are bicycle shop owners and other hobbies, uh, firearms, you know, people, that type of stuff, where the products they sell have a, a hefty size ticket to them. So while the, your machine is $25,000, uh, you can buy a nice high-end bicycle for $15,000. Oh, let me think. What other industries are there? Uh, you want to buy some really fancy firearms, you can get up there high-end price. And in a setting, I will ask to the people... How many of you think that you have a customer that has bought the most expensive thing you sell and that item is sitting in their home unused? It's a, it's a fancy bicycle. It's hanging in the garage. It's the person who's taken a bedroom in the house, bought the most elaborate 
sewing machine from any one of the manufacturers out there, and the room sits sits dormant, nothing going on. And I will always get a lot of, yeah, almost everybody's in agreement. Yeah, I, I've got one of those customers. And my comment has been to say, you understand that customer is the worst detriment to your business. That when a friend comes over to their house and sees that bicycle hanging in the garage or comes over to dinner and sees that you open that door and, and you're going to undoubtedly say, you know, I haven't been in here sewing in a long time. That person is not likely to go to the bike shop, is not likely to go to the motorcycle shop, is not likely to go to the sewing machine shop because they've seen you having spent all that money and you're not using all the money that you spent. What I'm hearing, Heidi, and the lesson I want to have you share with people is that between the availability of the equipment, the availability of the classes, the availability of your meeting space, your dormitory and all, is you're trying to engage people to enjoy whatever it is they would buy from you, but you also have found a way to monetize it for you that they are that it's there for them to enjoy. Mhm. Absolutely, and I think that in the industry that I'm in, we we have to keep them we have to keep them being creative. Maybe it's not big projects all the time, but it's engaging them in something new, something creative, engaging them in an activity with other people, like a retreat, and helping them continue to, to be, again, whether they're creating one quilt a day or one quilt a year, it, it's helping them know that there's, there's, other, there's lots of different ways they can participate in the community um, other than just, piecing a quilt because if they're involved at some point they will quilt at some point they will buy something and it's it's keeping that I'm going to say them them happy and part of part of our world so I think of a business that I see um, that this could fit for almost any kind of business Uh, an example of one I see who's done it is when you walk up to a Home Depot or a Lowe's coming in their front door, they have this giant poster out there, and, and while not during COVID, there's these Saturday mornings or Saturday afternoons at some point in time where it's, this is where we teach you to do this. Here is a class just for kids to teach them to, to do some sort of particular skill, learn how to use tools to make it fun and enjoyable. That is compared to being in the hardware store where you go simply because something is broken and you need a tool to fix it or you need the supplies to fix something like that. Your concept is like what Home Depot and Lowe's do with theirs. It's how do I get people engaged? How do I get them involved? And don't let that $15,000 bicycle hang in the garage doing nothing. Don't let that expensive machine that you bought at somebody else's store sit dormant that you, in effect, are doing the work for the sewing machine store of helping them to keep their machine going by engaging their customer, but as compared to doing it and saying, okay, fine, send me a thank you note, you've got their customers spending money with you. Yes, and, and oh, Tom, I can, I can get so excited about things like this. I love 
when I go out and get out of the store and I go other places, go to other stores, and I see examples of what other businesses are doing that we can learn from. This is the kind of thing where I, 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 again, I can get so excited. So, for example, the shoe store that is specifically running shoes that I'm probably, I'm going to say exaggerating, but maybe only has 50 pairs of shoes on the wall to sell, right? And, I mean, okay. how, many pairs, how many pairs of shoes do you need, right? But they Oh, don't ask me all... that question. That's a bad question to ask. Okay, I won't ask you. But they have, in this small business, I love the process that they go through. They've got walking clubs. They have yoga. They have yoga in their store. They move the benches out of the way, and you come and you do your yoga, which you don't even need tennis shoes for, um, right there in the middle of their store. They have a come run with you club, and you end up at the, um, at the cute little pub two doors down for a cold brew when you get done with your run. And, you know, they have the, the treadmill to help you find the right pairs of shoes. I mean, it's, it's like a family. It's like, a, again, that community where they're not just selling a pair of shoes, a, a pair of running shoes. That would be the easiest. You know, I mean, that would be easy. Here, take a pair of shoes and go. It's, it's looking at all of the things. And I love that the employees, we see them out running uh, clubs for kids. One of them is a coach at one of the local schools. So he not only sells the shoes, he wears the shoes, he breathes the, the stuff. And I think that's, that's the kind of thing I love about what I do is that I am a quilter. I am a business owner. I am out there being creative. And, and, I, and I think that comes through in what my customers see and how they react, whether they're, whether they're the customers of my publication, my trade publication, or whether they're customers of my retail store. So let me ask this question before we go to our last station, station break of the evening. As I hear your excitement and I hear what you talk about, the things that you see and do, uh, I'm curious to ask if you have the same personal experience with your family that I have with my family and that is you go someplace, you walk into a business, you look around, and in this case, my wife, your husband, your kids look at it and go, you can't turn it off, can you? You just can't turn this thing off, can you? And I will go, no. Is it that obvious? And they'll go, yes. Do you have the same thing at your household? Yes, but I have two daughters that are addicted, and if I told you that they got to re retreat for the last four days and I didn't, and I'm really jealous of them because they actually got to, you know, quilt and, and do all that, but since we're going on vacation, I had to, I had to work. Um, but but it, it is exciting. They know that I get excited about those things, and, and it's all good. It, it is good. I, I just had a visit from one of my twin sons, the older of the, of the twins. And in the 10 days, I don't know how many nights we s sat up and discussing, Dad, I want to own a business. I've got some ideas. Can we sit down and talk about it? <laughs> it's like, oh, gosh, I thought you wanted to talk about watching a baseball game or something. You want to talk about business? Absolutely. And we spent a 
lot of time, and I sent him a couple. Of, here, I'm mailing you these books. I want you to read these books and that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's fun seeing them. Hey, we got to do a quick station break, then I got a last question to get to Heidi. So everybody, don't go away. This is Small Business Conversations on PBN, the Profitable Business Network. Heidi, last question of the night. We've talked about it, and I did not write down the name, but you told me once about a a school, a class that you took, and it was, oh. I want to say, taught by a financial institution. Yes, Goldman Have Sachs. I give you enough 10, to tell 000. you what we're talking. Oh yes, yeah. yeah, Goldman Sachs, ten thousand business school. Talk about it. When I learned about this, I, I thought, of course, with two hats on, I wanted Hin and Chick Studio to take the class as, as a small business, but as American Quote Retailer, I wanted to understand how Goldman Sachs was creating this program for small businesses. So I had to apply. I had to present my, my financials. There's no secrets. There's no hiding any numbers. It's all real. You work with, um, uh, it, it is a program that is 100% free, at least it, had, it was to me. I assume that they're continuing that process. And to all of my other participants, it was a class of 33 businesses. and. And when you sit in a room and you are the only person in your industry, you start to think to yourself, really, do I have things in common with the construction worker, the restaurant owner, the CPA, the florist, the beer maker, you get the drift, the dog walker? Yes. I mean, literally. You know, the car wash owner? I mean, it was all sorts of things. And what I love about that, that program was that it showed me, once again, that the content that American Quilt Retailer is presenting to small businesses is in line what a company and an event like the, 10, the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Business School is doing. I'm just on a smaller scale. And I, you realize Every small business has very, very similar challenges, problems, successes. We're all selling different widgets, but at the end of the day, cash flow is the same no matter what your business is. Hiring staff is the same no matter what your business is. And that was very exciting. It was great to work with. Um, I mean, I, if anybody had an opportunity to apply for that, I would would 100% say go for it because it really taught all sorts of business skills and you got to hear what was working for other companies. And several times I went back to my business going, hey, I know how to apply that. Yep, they were selling something else, but I can apply that to my business because it's the same principle. How many uh, class class sessions were there uh, for the for the I went from basically from January to May we were we of course 
Uh, we're right in the middle. COVID hit right in the middle. There were some in-person events, some online, and then, of course, once COVID hit, uh, everything was online. But uh, I don't know where, they, where they're at now um, if they're doing in-person. But this program is all over the country, and you can just you know, um, you know, pull up their website and see where all of the different locations are. Okay. So folks, we come to the end of a, another evening session having Heidi Kaisand as our guest. Uh, next month, for, I hope we're going to put it together, we have been talking with a gentleman from uh, ADT who is, we look like will be our guest in August, and we're going to talk about cybersecurity for our business, all kinds of aspects. I've uh, sent my list of questions to them, waiting for confirmation. And, uh, of course, those of you who do not uh, read our newsletter, you simply go to our website, profitsplus.org, upper left-hand corner. It's a place where you click, and you can subscribe to get the newsletter. You get the invitation to come to the monthly uh, conversation like we're having tonight. And you can also get our monthly little short article called Small Business Advisory, the SBA. You're invited to grab all of those, just like everything else on the Profits Plus website. It's all there for you. There is no charge for anything there. Heidi Kaisan can be found this way. Uh, of course, you can go visit her website for the magazine. It's AmericanQuiltRetailer.com. And to reach her by email, it's just Heidi, H-E-I-D-I, at AmericanQuiltRetailer.com, and she's in Conrad, Iowa. Heidi, thank you for being with us tonight. We so appreciate it. Thank you for giving the time. Uh, it's a pleasure always working with you, uh, but you had so many fascinating stories. That's why I said, oh, you've got to get Heidi to come be on the program and share some of this. My bottom line lesson, folks, the woman thinks, she explores, she tries she figures things out, and she makes a point to see another business and translate what she sees in another business and brings it to her. And from a customer standpoint, she becomes, as a business, everything that that customer can enjoy and be a part of and do. How many different ways can you attach yourself to that customer? And Heidi does an excellent job. Heidi, we appreciate it. Thank you so much for being on the program tonight with us. Thank you, Tom. It was my pleasure. We had a great evening, everyone. We'll be back next month. Thank you for having been with us. It has been our pleasure to share fresh ideas and trends from premier small business owners, coaches, and resources. Join Tom Shea and guests next month right here on Small Business Conversations from Profits Plus Solutions. This is PBN, the Profitable Business Network. Visit our website to learn more about us at ProfitsPlus.org. There you will find our catalog of small business conversations, articles and advisories, news, meeting planners, calculators, and resources. Also, we invite you to connect with Profits Plus Solutions on our various social media channels. Please like or connect with us on Facebook, LinkedIn, SlideShare, Twitter, and YouTube. We have links to all our social media channels on our homepage at ProfitsPlus.org. Thank you for joining us.